Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. of the Championship Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, James Vickers. You can reach us on Twitter, uh, which is our Twitter handle for the show, which is at Championship Pod. And you can also follow me on my personal Twitter, which is at underscore James Vickers. I am Russ Goldman. Um, my uh, show is Cottage Talk, all about Form Football Club. I represent the Form fans for this show. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Russ underscore Goldman and also at the uh, show Twitter account, which is simply Cottage Talk. Hi, I'm Andy Buckley-Taylor. I represent the uh, Derby County fans on the podcast. You can find me on Twitter at BuckTaylor64. I do a blog for some of the local Derbyshire newspapers. And you can find the link to all the articles that uh, are produced on the Facebook page, Book Taylor's Derby Blog. Yeah, cheers for joining me today, guys. It's been a weekend where there's more or less been a full fixture list in the championship. And then obviously, as we'll get into later, there's more games to come tomorrow and Tuesday. Um, I'll throw it over to you, Ross, if you want to take us through the sort of the results from the weekend and then we can sort of discuss from there. OK, excellent. Well, let's start right here. Let's start with uh, the draw with uh, Barnsley and Bristol City ended up 2-2. And then let's go to Birmingham City beating Ipswich Town 1-0 at home. Then you have another draw between Brentford and Sheffield United. It's a 1-1 draw. And then you have Cardiff City continue to win at home. They beat Burton Albion 3-1. Then you have the uh, result for Sunderland beating Derby County at home. I'm sure we're going to be talking about that a little bit. Sunderland win 4-1. And then we have the uh, goalless draw that I actually watched between Hull City and Aston Villa. Uh, and then let's move to Leeds United beating Bolton 2-1. to one. Wolves beat Middlesbrough also 2-1 to one on the road. And uh, this next one, again, Millwall continues to win at a very nice clip. Millwall beat Nottingham Forest 2-0. You have Fulham on the road at Carroll Road beating Norwich City 2-0. Reading beat QPR on Saturday 1-0. And then Sheffield Wednesday beat Preston North End 4-1. to one. Uh, And those are the results, guys. So, uh, Andy, I'm going to start with you. What what result surprised you the most? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, e- even though um, we've been out of form recently, obviously, uh, Sunderland win 4-1 at Towers. Anybody who, would have pre- who said they would have predicted that are lying, you know, because... 
Sunderland couldn't buy a win until Friday night. And, you know, that, that even, even though we'd been on um, a winless run, we hadn't been losing games. But we, we, were, we, we didn't just lose. We were spanked. And we were shown up on national TV. And do you want me to go into the game itself or? Yeah, if you um, want to, yeah. Sure. I, yeah. Sure, I'd imagine go. we were going to get to it at some point. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Go, go well, right into it. And, and Andy, before you do, just so you know, Sunderland beat Fulham as well, if, if that helps at all. No, that, that doesn't soften the blow <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, you, you, you were in bad form back, you know, earlier on right. in the season. But, you know, in is I've supported Derby. I have never witnessed a display at home while supposedly chasing promotion. And on the evidence, uh, not many of the first team would be good enough to uh, make the step up if we went up. It was an absolute shout. Masterclass in choking. No ifs, no buts. It was gutless. It was shocking. And to be quite honest, it was simply not acceptable. Um, the first goal was conceded. All, all, all four goals, you know, we gifted them. And that's not taking anything away from Sunderland because they battled away all night and they thoroughly deserved a victory. But the first goal came off Craig Forsyth. He deflects it past Scott Carson. So, you know, no goalkeeper error there. Second goal conceded. An inexcusable error by Richard Keogh. Passes it to his left. Picked up by the Sunderland man. Knocks it wide out on the right. Gardner picks it up. Now, he has two Derby players in front of him. Unfortunately, Bradley Johnson... Um, he stood right in front of Curtis Davis, which um, works to the advantage of the Sunderland striker. And I think Scott Carson's um, must have been partially unsighted there. 2-0 Sunderland. Uh, Matty Vidra gave, a, gave us a bit of hope. He, he scored the best goal of the game, actually. He did. Um, it was, yeah, it, it was a goal that came out of nothing. And he smashes it into the corner. And... Where would we be this season without Matty Vidra's goals? Because I think uh, he's got 19 goals in all competitions now. And I think the, uh, the second um, top scorer has got six. So there you have it. Um, Craig Forsyth again was the offender for the third goal. Um, the, the, the wide man comes in. Um, Forsyth struggles to keep up with him. Chops him down in the box. Penalty, stonewall penalty, and of course they convert. And the fourth goal, absolute sloppy defending. And I, I think Forsyth again was partially at fault for this, as the ball found its way out and John O'Shea just knocked it into the corner. Uh, the team overall didn't look up to the task. They looked disinterested, outclassed, and to be honest, they were an embarrassment. But Andy. What's interesting about this is that I watched a replay. I, I have the ability to watch a replay of uh, some of the championship matches, and I watched this. And uh, because I saw the result and I didn't understand exactly what happened, when I watched it back, Andy, I, I, I know now what happened. Uh, so where do you go from here from this? Is this just a blip? Can you rebound from this? Well, it, it, it's getting to be a long blip. Uh, the, the, the silly thing is, is you know, 
teams that are pursuing the, the, the playoff places and teams just below, when we look at it, results went our way. And we're still sitting in fifth place. You are. With a game in hand. Yes. But I really struggle to see where the next win's going to come from. If you can't beat a team that's bottom of the division, it really does question when you, you, you've still got the likes of uh, still got Aston Villa away, we've still got Wolves away, we've still got Cardiff at home, we've got Middlesbrough at home. So, you know, there's, there's just four seriously difficult matches there. Uh, the, the players need to look at themselves, you know, and say, <laughs> you know, come on, guys, what, what's happening? You know, I mean, to me, I do play down this uh, talk of perennial chokers because, to me, when you go back through the years, the Wembley year, that wasn't a choke. No. We dominated a Wembley game. We was on. Should have won that. Yeah. The following season was a choke when we dropped out the top six on the last day of the season. That was a choke. Um, the following season, back into uh, the playoffs, we choked at home 3-0, but we made a good fight of it away at Hull, and uh, we came close to getting a result there. So, uh, you know, the, the term choke is often branded about um, loosely, but... If we were to slip out this season, it would be a joke. But the one thing annoying to me is Richard Keogh is supposed to be our captain. Now, don't get me wrong. Apart from Friday night, he's been pretty solid all season. He's played very, very well. But he's the captain. Curtis Davis was the one who took the flak from the fans. Curtis Davis came out, apologised to the fans. He acknowledged what a shambolic performance it was and it wasn't good enough, well, isn't that the job of the captain? You know, um, to me, uh, Curtis Davis looks more of a leader on the field than anyone, and he's been one player who's mostly been, you know, well, for me, he's definitely in our top three players of the season. But come on, yeah. Captain Keogh, where are you? You make a mistake, don't be hiding, come out and face the music. Wow. That's a pretty interesting take there, Andy, and uh, I'm glad that you uh, shared your thoughts on that. And, and uh, the one thing that I will say to you, Andy, and this is my hope for Derby County, and, and you know I, I rate your manager very highly, and I think you have a very good squad. Sometimes when you take uh, a loss like this, it, it can basically catapult you forward, and that's what I hope happens to you. I hope that all the players look at themselves in the mirror and they come back for this uh, stretch run, because like you said, Andy, you're still in a playoff spot. You still have a chance there. So all hope is not lost, but I agree with you, Andy. I, I think this is on the players and of course on Rawat to figure out exactly how to turn this around. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's funny because you, you know, when we went on that long um, unbeaten run, yeah. we just come off. We just come off a 4-1 defeat at Bristol City. So, you know, fingers crossed, maybe I'm clutching at straws. But, uh, uh, you know, tomorrow we'll give an indication as to uh, whether we're, we're, we're going to be up to the task or not. Right. It's about how you rebound from a bad loss can dictate how the rest of your season goes. 
All right, James, over to you. Uh, what was for you was the most surprising? Obviously, Andy has a reason. I, I'm not sure if you want to go to your match, or is there another match that was uh, the biggest surprise in the championship? No, I think definitely uh, I won't sort of go any more into the, the Derby result, but that definitely sort of in terms of surprise results, I think is up there uh, as probably one of two over the weekend. I think the other one, unfortunately for me, and it's sort of quite a negative start to the episode this week, is obviously the Preston defeat uh, and sort of the manner of it going down 4-1 at Sheffield Wednesday, who, you know, speaking to Louis, who comes on the podcast before the game, he was saying that, you know, he thought it'd be a tight game, and so did I. You know, Sheffield Wednesday, regardless of where they are in the league, are a team that we sort of do struggle at in recent years. Obviously, last year, we had two players sent off for fighting each other. You know, we've we've gone there when we had Graham Wesley manager, and he played our fifth-choice centre-back up front and left the two strikers on the bench. So it's uh, it's not been a happy hunting ground for us going to Hillsborough. So... To go there on Friday, you know, the first half wasn't too bad. We we kept the ball well. We we had the ball quite a lot in midfield. There was just, as there has been sort of times over this season, just that lack of end product. You know, we, we didn't really look troubled by anything Sheffield Wednesday were doing. And, you know, I was quite confident in the second half that we would get, you know, that lucky break or we'd managed to create something on the break with the, the speed we've got up front and, you know, potentially nick a goal. But... To come back out, you know, at the start of the second half, concede two goals in the first sort of five or six minutes, you know, bitterly disappointing. Um, Sheffield Wednesday at halftime brought on Lucas Jow. Um, and, you know, as soon as he came on, he completely changed the game. He, he was a handful up front. And the quite youthful backline that we've got, with the exception of Paul Huntington, looked like they didn't know how to handle him you know he's a he's a tall sort of gangly forward and he was getting on the ball and really making things happen for them and as soon as they got that first goal after half time you know the floodgates sort of opened and we didn't really look like creating anything you know we got the goal in the sort of midway through the second half to get it back to 2-1 and you know then you think you know maybe you can come back and nick a draw but the manner that we conceded the last two goals in the last or in, in added time was, you know, really comical, really. Um, the first one been from a short corner that Sheffield Wednesday played where they were trying to hold the ball up in the corner. And I think three of our players dived in on Newey who all missed him and he was able to to bend the ball into the top corner, you know, sort of says it all, really. Um I can't be sort of too downbeat about it, which seems weird to say after a 4-1 defeat. You know, we've we've been on a great run. We're yeah. still just outside the playoffs. And, you know, it's it's a lot better than I thought it would be this season, you know, with a new manager coming in who, as I said, sort of a couple of episodes ago, is working with someone else's squad. So to have the season that we've had so far, you know, it's a fantastic effort by everyone involved. And, you know, thankfully, uh, sort of with the Derby result and other results around us, we didn't really lose any ground on the playoffs. The only thing it has allowed now, and we'll get onto in a bit, is for, you know, the likes of Millwall now to, right. to really creep in there. And, you know, fifth where Derby are, down to tenth where we are, there's two points separating it. So, you know, it's it's wide open and... You know, normally there's a couple of teams fighting for the playoffs, but this year, you know, it looks like there could be sort of any of six teams that can still get in there into those last two places. And it sort of really seems to me, with the exception of Millwall, that no one really wants to, you know, do what a Fulham or an Aston Villa have done and, you know, really assert that dominance and say, this is our playoff spot and we're going to keep it. So, yeah. you know, over these last sort of seven 
eight games in Derby's case, you know, it's going to be fantastic television, I'm sure, for the neutrals to uh, to sort of see how it goes. Um, and, you know, hopefully, sort of in about a week or two's time with the games we've got coming up, you know, we can get a couple of wins on the board and, and bounce back from, you know, this really disappointing defeat. Um, not lost many times this season. So, you know, as I said, I can't be too downbeat. I think just the manner of it leaves a bit of a sour taste in, right. in my mouth, if I'm being honest. Right, and and I understand that, but I, like I said to Andy, and I'll say the same thing to you, James, and uh, I have much respect for your head coach and your team because he's building something. Like you said, things are, are changing, and that those are all the positives. And I have a good feeling that you will bounce back from this based on both of you, based on who's in charge and the players that you have. And I think that you will see the same thing from your team. Like I said, in, in your case – just like in Andy's case, personally, I think it's blips for both of you. And I think that you will bounce back because you have quality teams and you're both in the mix for it. Um, the one thing that I want to mention as a surprise, because obviously we're talking about your two matches. I'm going to throw one in that I think is a surprise. I watched it. And the way that Aston Villa have been playing against teams below them has been, um, I will say, disappointing. It has to be disappointing for them. It's a little bit of a surprise to me because they should not be losing a QPR. They should not be losing a Bolton and they should honestly not be drawing to Hull city, but they are. That's my surprise match of, of the weekend because I did not see that coming. Cause I look at Aston Villa and I see them obviously in a very similar situation as Fulham and they're not taking advantage of what's in front of them. They, when you have a team that beats wolves, and then has these two losses and a draw, they need to fix what's going on there because they should not. This should not be going on. It really shouldn't. That was a surprise to me. And I have I watched the bold match for them, and now I watch this match, and something just isn't right. Something's not right with Aston Villa, and they need to fix it uh, sooner than later. Especially if they want to contend, they might now be too far out of second place. But if they get in the playoffs. They got to figure out exactly what's been going on in this little stretch. So that was a little surprise for me, James. Real quickly, um, the the win of the weekend for you. Yeah, so the win of the weekend for me, I think you know, considering where they were in the league, and I know Andy spoke quite a lot about it. I think for me, definitely, it'd be the Sunderland result. Yeah. Um, we keep sort of saying the same thing about Sunderland over the past few weeks. You know, they'll they'll get a good result. And then we, we ask the question, you know, is this the start of them clawing themselves to safety? And then they go and follow it up with, you know, another couple of defeats. So for them at this stage of the season now, it's really sort of important that, especially after a win like that at a team in the playoffs, they take confidence from that and, you know, really start to build on that now. Obviously, with games running out, there's still five points adrift. You know, time is running out for them. So, I think definitely for me, winning the weekend would go to Sunderland. Um, I'd be interested to get your two thoughts as well um, on if you agree with that or if there's sort of other games that stick out for you. Okay, well, for me, I'm going to say um, Millwall. We're going to be talking about Millwall, but Millwall just continue to win. And uh, it's going to be fun to talk about them because... I mentioned them, uh, I, I want to say, about a month ago as a team flying underneath the radar, and they're just continuing to do it. So for consistency's sake, I'm going to say Millwall. Uh, Andy, how about you? Uh, I, I think the Sunderland result is a, is a standout result. Um, I, I, I can see where you're coming from with Millwall because they've been on an, an incredible run. Actually, they have. One of, my, 
Actually, one of my son's teammates is a Millwall supporter and was at the game the other day, but they was only playing Nottingham Forest. <laughs> I, but, know. Uh, <laughs> I know, but still, they're, they're still winning, though. That's the whole thing. Yeah, that 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 was just a, a bit of banter, just in case we have any <laughs> Forest fans listen. But um, no, Sunderland, um, it, was, it was totally unexpected. No, no, nobody predicted it. And I, I actually hope that Sunderland stay up. I know this oh, is down there. Well, well, a, a good friend of mine passed away last year at the age of 46. And she was a, a keen Sunderland fan. And uh, when we lost that game on Friday night, I was there, you know, having a few thoughts. And, uh, and they're a good club. You know, they're a big club. Um, I, I think in some ways um, they're... Their support, maybe not in numbers, but certainly um, in in how they're vocal, uh, they rival Newcastle in the good times, and uh, they're a good side to have. It's a good away day. They're a big team, and uh, I hope they stay up. But for me, that was result result of the weekend, no doubt. Okay, very good. James, back over to you. Yeah, before we moved on, I just wanted to ask you, obviously, you mentioned the Aston Villa game there yep. and, you know, that run they've been on over the last couple of weeks. Do you think that, obviously, coming from a Fulham point of view, you're probably best to ask because you are you sure. are the two teams sort of that look now, you know, barring a, a, a collapse over the last sort of few weeks of the season that you already have your playoff places sort of locked in. Um, I think top two now are a little bit too far ahead and obviously the chasing pack are a little too far behind. So you look nicely set in that playoff picture. Do you think Aston Villa, especially considering who they've sort of dropped points again, you know, QPR, Hull, Bolton, teams just above the relegation zone yeah. are still looking to claw and get their sort of safety sort of confirmed, you know, sooner rather than later. Do you think Aston Villa have come into these games sort of expecting to win and, and taking their eye off the boil when, you know, obviously they should be sort of aiming to get as many points on the board to get that playoff place locked on as soon as possible? James, I absolutely believe that's what's going on because they should not be dropping points to these teams. They really shouldn't be. And listen, we drop points to QPR and I can understand that a little bit better because it's, you know, it, it's a derby match, so so there is a little bit to, to that. But we shouldn't have been dropping to QPR either. But but the other results, Bolton and, and Hull City, they should be winning those matches. And um, if you have, you know, again, like full, I mean, Fulham, Fulham really, you know, and again, if you have that mentality that you are going to win every match and you believe in yourself, that's a little bit different than going in overconfident. I think they're going in expecting to win before the match is played, but not having the mentality that they have to win. Does that make sense? Meaning that they've won the match before they start the match. I, Fulham are, are, do not, at least what I've been watching, have that mentality. They, I believe they have that respect for their opponent, and they know that whoever they're going to play is going to be difficult. It doesn't matter who it is. And because they know they're going to get everyone's best at this point. I... What I what I've been watching from Aston Villa, it seems like a team that thinks that they can just walk through the match and win, and it just isn't. It's not that way. Yeah, I completely agree with what you said there, and I think that sums it up perfectly. That you know they they are coming into games almost a little overconfident, and and you know not taking their That's opponents sort of as serious. Yeah, so. 
I think definitely, you know, over the next few games, they definitely need to sort of get out of that mindset. You know, as I've said, it looks like every sort of team chasing the playoffs is sort of scared to go for it at the moment and really stamp their sort of their mark. But if Aston Villa keep, you know, dropping points, it won't be long before sort of the chasing pack start to catch them up and, and put pressure on them. And especially with the way the playoffs work, you know, they want to get either third or fourth sort of locked in so they get a more favourable sort of route as it were to the playoff final um so yeah definitely i think they need to you know regain their focus sort of sooner rather than later um one team though that is chasing the playoffs and you know they've been on this fantastic run and come out of nowhere is obviously millwall as you touched on earlier russ what do you put sort of this run down to obviously they got promoted last year didn't spend a whole lot of money in the summer and you know for the most part their team is what you'd class you wouldn't class as you know sort of established championship players how do you think they've sort of gone about this season and you know sort of almost slipped under the radar how do you think they've progressed into a team that can challenge for the playoffs well what's interesting and i'll throw out a comparison uh going against what happened with sheffield united sheffield united started off really strong and they've they entered the championship running i mean they've they started off extremely strong Millwall, it took them a, a lot longer to get going, and uh, they were struggling for a while. And I think once they found their way in this league and how things worked, that's when their discipline, because that's what I'm going to call it, their disciplined way of, of playing. The, you know, again, we you, you can call it what you want, how it looks, it doesn't matter. It's winning football. They've They had that winning ingredient lately and it just keeps going and going and going you have to beat them you know they're not going to beat themselves if that makes any sense that's why i see from Milwaukee. they're one of these teams that is extremely tough to beat because they're going to make you earn it and uh if you make a mistake and you go back and you watch you know even highlights of, of the nottingham forest match you know um you make a mistake you give them an open and they are going to run through it and uh, I, I've left extremely impressed by what they're doing there. Do, do I like how they're playing football? I wouldn't say that. But I would say that they've earned where they are. And they are a, they are a legitimate threat. Yeah, the same question to you, Andy. How do you sort of see Millwall's sort of progression over the season? Obviously, I think they're only the point behind Derby now. Are they a team that you're sort of worried about catching you for that sort of last couple of playoff places? Um, I, I think uh, Russ has hit the nail on the head with discipline. They're a disciplined team. When they came to Derby, ignore the fact we beat them 3-0. They just had six minutes where they seemed to go to sleep. But apart from that, they, in my opinion, that they were you know, more than equal to us in the majority of the game. And again, when we went down there 0-0, they... they they're just a good overall unit. The shape of the team's good. The players work for each other. They're what you call a team. They're a team. This, That's the best way this, to put it. Yeah. Discipline. The players work for each other. You know, in contrast, where you've just been talking about Aston Villa, where I see their weakness is their discipline yep. as, as, as a team. Uh, Millwall's got that, and they've gone under the radar. They've come on this run. And that, you know, you never know. They could be the team that sneaks into the playoffs and, and, and goes up. Uh, I think going up might be a little bit beyond them. But if they get in the playoffs, that is absolutely tremendous. And uh, 
you know, well managed by Neil Harris. They've gone under the radar. Um, they, they've uh, quietly gone about their business because I, not so long ago, they were in the bottom half of the, of the league. And, you know, full credit to them. And I certainly wouldn't want to play them in the semi-finals of the playoff. I'd prefer to take on one of the big boys. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I completely agree as well. I think just looking at Millwall's fixtures as well, it's, you know, they're, whether they get in the playoffs or not, they're going to have a massive say over, you know, who does. So five of their last seven games are against teams in and around the playoffs. So they've got um, Bristol City at home next Saturday. They've got Sheffield United away the following Saturday. And then the last three games of the season, you know, for them are going to be absolutely massive. Two out of the three are at home. So they've got Fulham at home, Middlesbrough away and Aston Villa at home. So regardless if they get into the playoffs or not, and, you know, the way they're playing at the moment, you know, grinding out wins with, you know, disciplined performances, as you guys have mentioned, you know, I wouldn't put it past them against teams, especially, you know, like Bristol City, who've dropped a few points recently. You know, they've got games away at Bolton and Ipswich in between them as well. And, you know, at the moment, you'd, you'd probably say they're the team that you fancy who are on the most consistent run to go and, you know, sort of nick a playoff place. And we sort of say like around Christmas time, there's always that team that comes out of nowhere and, and manages to sneak into the playoffs. You know, Huddersfield did it so well last season and carried that momentum into the playoffs. And, you know, it ultimately took them up. So, you know, there's no reason why Millwall couldn't do that this season. Um, I think, though, as I mentioned, those last four games of the season are going to be absolutely huge for them. Sheffield United, Fulham, Middlesbrough and Aston Villa. And, you know, what's encouraging from a Preston and I imagine a, a Derby point of view as well, um, Andy, is that, you know, they have to play every team that's around us at the moment. So, you know, regardless if Millwall win those games, every game, one of those teams chasing the playoffs is going to drop points. And, you know, I'm quite thankful that, sort of out of the chasing pack, we've only got two left to play. Um, you know, I'd much rather be in that position than Millwall's. But, you know, as we've said, momentum's everything in football. And, you know, if they can keep on this run, you know, there's no reason why they can't go in and sneak into the playoffs. Um, but as you touched on earlier, Andy, obviously, you know, disappointing to lose against Sunderland. I just wanted to touch on Derby. Do you think that over the last sort of few games of the season, I know you mentioned that you've got quite a, a tough run in as well. Do you see your sort of team managing to turn it around and, and staying in the playoffs or are you sort of looking over your shoulder now sort of quite worried hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, right. Uh, if, if I'm perfectly honest with you, I haven't got a clue. Um, because when we was on the unbeaten run, we feared nobody. And fans feared that we could grind out results against anybody if if they if need be. Uh, now the it, it's totally turned around, and rather than expecting that we are capable of beating everyone, it's now the feeling that everyone's capable of beating us. 
Um, it, it, it's it's difficult to explain, to be quite honest. But tomorrow is a big, big one. Um, away at Preston, not a game we'd fancy, you know, in in this situation. But uh, they've they've got to go about the task and uh, do it. Well, we do, uh, you know, I, I really don't know because. This season, we've seen the best and the worst of Derby County in two particular runs. <laughs> I, I don't think it makes any difference whether we're playing Burton Albion, who we've still got to play, or Aston Villa. I, I think our chances going into both games, it might sound stupid, are very similar. It, it's all down to the players knuckling down and getting back to what they were doing, you know, up to February. Uh, and, and, and that's what it's all about. You know, it's, it's a funny old division, but uh, it, it, there's a lot of people in Derby scratching their heads at the moment. And I, I can understand why. Because uh, from a feeling of invincibility, it's, it's gone full circle. So, I don't know. I mean, t- tomorrow, I think, will be a good pointer because if we come away from Deepdale pointless, you know, the, the, the task is very, very difficult, irrespective of what other sides around us do. Because the longer um, a windless run goes on, the more difficult it is to snap out of it. Although, saying that, I mean, Gary Rowett had a 10 game windless run at Birmingham City. And, and managed to turn things round, but we're not Birmingham City. And I think Gary Rowett actually said the other night that during his management career, Burton Albion, Birmingham City, and us, <laughs> that was probably the most painful match he's ever had to watch. So I don't know. It's just uh, I think it's a case of uh, just wait and see. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, like us as well, we just can't seem to, you know, put that sort of consistent run of wins together at the moment to, to really cement our place. So, you know, definitely over the next few weeks, it's going to be uh, sort of interesting to see who sort of takes the initiative and, and you know, really kicks on into the playoffs. But one team who, you know, were in and around the playoffs last season and managed to get to the playoff final, Reading, you know, by their standards, have had quite a disappointing season this this season. Obviously, Yap Stan left last week. Um, Paul Clement came in over the international break. His first game yesterday was uh, at home to QPR. How do you guys see Clement doing at, um, at Reading? Do you expect him, first and foremost, to keep them up, which, you know, looking at the table, you'd like to think they should have enough points on the board now. If not at the moment, you know, another win or two should see them over the line. And secondly, do you see him as the right manager to take them forward sort of in the long run? Uh, we'll start with you first on this, Russ. It's interesting because um, I remember his beginning at uh, Derby County and it started off, pretty good but uh, obviously it didn't end well and then his last stint didn't end well so you have to ask yourself uh when you want someone to push you forward do you want someone that at this point is a little bit of a retread uh maybe that maybe i'm being harsh on that but yeah i don't you know and again i think he's someone that can help them right now but i wouldn't be thinking long term with with him in charge that's just me because i'd be skeptical if he is the right man to um, to push them forward, because he hasn't shown it yet, 
He hasn't shown the ability to uh, push a team forward to the point where, one, they're either comfortable in, in one division or, two, to where they need to be. So, for me, I think um, – I don't – I, I don't think he should be the long-term solution for Reading. I think they need to get through the season and then find someone that has, um, I guess you could say, has, has a different pedigree to, to winning, to, to, uh, to, be, to be a manager that has proven that he can get a team promoted, that can uh, stay in a league if you're, say, in the Premier League. I, just, I have my doubts about Clement at this point. Yeah, the same question to you, Andy. How do you sort of see him doing, and do you think he's the the right man to take Reading forward? Uh, I, I don't think this will be a long term appointment. I know he's high; he was highly regarded as a coach under some top managers, and he started well at both Derby and Swansea. Um, he'll steady he'll steady the uh, steady the ship for them. Um, he'll stop them from getting relegated. He'll, he'll have a honeymoon period. But the thing is at Derby, a lot of people questioned why he was dismissed. And as fans, because there was no clear statement that came out from the club, we can only speculate. And we, you know, we, we were still fighting for promotion. But the weakness I see in Paul Clement, it's not his ability to coach um, the team that he's inherited, but... His, his actual recruitment. Now, at Derby, he spent £4 million on Jacob Butterfield, £5 million on Bradley Johnson, £2.5 million on Nick Blackman, and £1.5 million on Abdul Kamara. Now, Blackman is out on loan. He's barely played in the past, well, it will be nearly two seasons now. Kamara failed to make any sort of an impact. Jacob Butterfield, as you know, is out on loan at Sheffield Wednesday. And judging by the reactions of their fans on Twitter, he's not having a, a, a very good time there. Bradley Johnson, he's sort of, yeah, he's been around the Derby team, but uh, hasn't been a successful signing. There's £13 million of spending there. And those four players... We're going to get very, very little return on them when they move on. Well, in fact, Kamara has moved on. Um, what it seems to me is when when your backs are against the wall in a game, and this is from my own interpretation of, of watching Paul Clement's uh, derby side is, when backs are against the wall, when we're under the cosh, it just doesn't seem to know how to change things. And... Uh, Although it came as a shock when he was sacked, it came as no no surprise to me. Because that, that season, he'd inherited a pretty good side. Steve McLaren had got fired in the summer. Um, and uh, he came in, he inherited a side that was challenging the season before. We got to Christmas, we were sitting pretty in that top six, but it dropped off. And I think the signs were there. Because even though we'd got to Christmas in that good position. There were some very, very lucky um, results. I think when we, we, we won away at Preston, and I think, uh, if you remember that one, James, it was a very, very lucky win. 
there's only three or four games really that I can say that we dominated and uh, we played well. And he, obviously he, he went to Swansea, the honeymoon period, he kept them up. But, you know, a few games into this season, he'll be shown his P45 again. And uh, I, I don't think he'll be a long-term solution for Reading, but I do think he'll be there. He, he will keep them up. Yeah, I completely agree with, with the points you made there, Andy. I think, you know, the last two jobs he's been, he hasn't lasted, you know, sort of particularly long. And I think, you know, for Reading, it was more about this season getting, you know, a manager in who sort of knows the division a little bit, you know, rather than gambling at this stage of the season and going down. So, you know, they've made, I'd say, a sensible choice. But as you've said, you know, I think maybe come the summer he might move on. Or if not, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, he sort of progresses them over the summer with, obviously, you mentioned the spending there. And I think, you know, with regards to the spending, that kind of comes with experience. You know, he's had quite a lot of his sort of time in football, been, you know, assistant managers at quite a lot of the big clubs uh, sort of around Europe, you know, Chelsea and Bayern Munich, sort of to name a couple. And it's, I think it's quite difficult to make that transition into a sort of a managerial role, especially in the championship or at Swansea's case in the lower half of the premiership and, you know, have that instant success in the transfer window. So I think, you know, it would be a big test of him, sort of personally and, and Reading's ambition, you know, over the summer to see what they do. But, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I do think that at the moment, barring, you know, any of the teams at the bottom putting a, a decent run together, I think they should just about be safe. And, you know, managers do tend to have that honeymoon period when they come in, which, you know, hopefully doesn't happen for Clement with um, with us playing them next Saturday and, you know, was still trying to chase the playoffs. So, Fingers crossed if that honeymoon period does come, you know, it comes a game later than uh, the next weekend. Um, but I do think that, you know, I agree with you two in, in the sense that, you know, it'll probably be a, a shorter term appointment rather than a long term. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I just wanted to ask you two guys, obviously, sort of mixed results yesterday. Uh, sorry, yesterday on Friday, uh, obviously Fulham winning and, and Preston and Derby both getting beat was the international break sort of for, for your teams beneficial? Was it a good chance to get players back from injury or I know certainly in Preston's case, I, I know I said sort of on the, the special episode we did last week that it was a good chance to get a few players rested. But from our point of view, it, it looked like, you know, you could tell we'd had a week off that the players didn't look that sharp. You know, they were lacking that match fitness and the ones who had been away on international duty were more so the players that needed a rest. So, I think for us, it kind of worked against us. Um, it'd be interesting to get your guys' sort of thoughts on, first and foremost, was it beneficial to you? And secondly, has it disrupted your sort of momentum going into the last sort of quarter of the season? Um, for form, this is going to sound very strange to say because they won, uh, but it definitely disrupted their play. Uh, they came out extremely sluggish. Uh, Savisa Jokanovic... Uh, after the match, he kept complaining about the international break. So that tells you how he feels about it because he said that he only had one day to train with his full squad. One day. And he thought that affected his team. I'm paraphrasing, but it seemed like that's what he was trying to say. And you could tell and uh, because the majority of uh, Fulham squad were out on international duty. And uh, to the point where he actually 
which is strange, James. You, Andy, you guys will will like this. He actually he actually went at the Serbian national team. He didn't name the the, the head coach by name. He didn't say. He just said the Serbian national team. He was very upset because apparently Slavica had an agreement that um, that Alexander Mitrovic would be rested at some point in these two matches. He played 90 in both matches, and he was not happy about that. In his pre-match presser, he was not happy. And uh, he, after after they won, he still talked about the international break. So that tells you how he feels about it, and I tend to agree with him. It is what it is, um, but it definitely affected Fulham. And uh, all credit to North City. They, they, they played well, especially in the first half. But we definitely were not at the races, and, and it didn't really click in until the second half. So I have to think that the international break played a factor, James. Yeah, the same to you, Andy. How sort of I know I'd, I'd guess what your answer will be, but how how was the international break for Derby County? This particular one um, was well timed, but I agree with the points Russ has made. It, it is, it can be a disruption to your season. It can get it can take teams away from the pitch when they're currently uh, got some good momentum going. Um, prior to the international break, I think we had 10 first-teamers fully fit. It did give us a chance to get players fit. And the only first-team squad members that weren't available on Friday night was Tom Huddleston, who was suspended, and Sam Winnell, who's obviously out for the uh, remainder of the season. But uh, overall, looking at it, looking at the bigger picture, um, it, 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 it can be a nuisance, especially to championship teams. And uh, unfortunately, it's one of those evils that's now in the game. And it's something where we have to lump. But uh, overall, the last one, it, it suited us just to get players fit. Yeah, for Preston, as I mentioned, you know, it sort of came at the wrong time for us. It kind of definitely sort of seeing how we played on Friday, we looked quite sort of sluggish up front and it looked like the team, you know, had been away from each other for sort of a week or so. And, you know, that fluidity wasn't there. So definitely for us, it had a negative impact. But, you know, hopefully sort of that's a one off and the players who did get that rest over the sort of the, the week break in the international sort of calendar, you know, over this next sort of period now, the next week and a half where we have three games, you know, come out fit and firing and, you know, hope to sort of turn that negative performance at Sheffield Wednesday into sort of a positive, you know, we are only sort of a couple of points off the playoffs still and, you know, hopefully we can, we can kick on now. Um, but to sort of finish off, obviously uh, another round of games tomorrow, um, we'll start with you first, Russ, obviously, because Derby and Preston play each other. So I'd imagine right. myself and Andy will, will come on to that in a second. Your game is actually Tuesday night um, on right. Sky at home to Leeds. How do you see the game going and do you expect Fulham to sort of further cement themselves into the playoff picture? Uh, I do expect them to. Uh, it, it's funny because uh, Fulham are on this unprecedented run, guys. Uh, it's 17 unbeaten which is insane and uh the reason why talking about second is is pie in the sky a little bit is because for them to do that they might not 
they might have to go undefeated for the final seven, which would be 24. Think about that, which, you know, again, is, is insane to even think. Um, but when we look at the Leeds United match, and it's funny because Leeds United uh, gave us a hard time at Craven Cottage last season. And every time we've played them, it's been difficult. But uh, I just got a little bit of an update that they're dealing with some with two injuries that uh, I hate to say could benefit Fulham. So I think that that makes me even a little more confident going into this match. I, I think Fulham are just going to continue this run. They are very difficult to beat right now. And the team to give us the biggest uh, biggest time recently has been QPR um, with the draw. But I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be able to get all three points against Leeds United on Tuesday night. Yeah, I completely agree. If I was to put a bet on, I'd, I'd sort of be quite confident in Fulham, you know, carrying on this winning run that they're on and, you know, definitely finishing third, if not, you know, pushing sort of Cardiff right till the end for that second spot. Um, but to get into our game, Andy, and I'll let you start on this, how do you sort of see the game going and what would be sort of a, a, a result and score prediction from yourself? Well, the only acceptable result for us would be a win. You know, we we, we need to win like now. Um, going on what's happened recently, I can, I can actually see a scenario where we're winning by a goal or we're, we're, we're drawing and you scoring in the dying minutes to snatch a draw or a win. Um, that's been the way of uh, a few, well, a few games over the season. We, we just can't, we, we can't hold on to one goal leads. Um, equally so, I think you're well capable of giving us a spanking. Um, predicting it, I don't know. I'm sh I'm I'm sat here now shaking my head, really not knowing what to say. Um, but what happens tomorrow, I feel, will be a pointer for how the season is going to end for us. Whether we're going to finish in the playoffs or it's just going to fizzle fizzle out, because potentially we're looking at uh, either anchoring in the top six or dropping as far down as 10th place with uh, only a two-point gap between 10th and the top six. I'm going to stick my neck on the line and predict. I, I think it'll finish one all. I think um, I think we might even take the lead, but uh, Preston will snatch a, a late goal and equalise. Yeah, I think sort of with how you're saying, um, I think for for us, you know, a win is is absolutely vital. You know, we're getting into the stage of the season now where draws aren't really good enough, especially with the amount of teams this year that are chasing, you know, fifth and sixth place, which, you know, seem to be the, the only two realistic places now that are going to be sort of available for the playoffs. So, you know, wins, especially in your home games, uh, are absolutely crucial. So I think anything other than a win... For us, you know, I can't really see us there making up the ground, especially with, you know, the amount of teams there that are sort of chasing. So if I was to sort of sort of say a result, I'd like to think, you know, we'd bounce back from the disappointing defeat, you know, which was very out of character for us with the high standard that we've set ourselves this season. 
And you only have to look at the few times we have been beat this season. You know, we don't lose a lot of games, but we do draw quite a lot. Um, sort of after the defeats, you know, we've we've come back and, you know, put a, a decent run together after that. So hopefully this will be the case this time. You know, we can pick up a win and, you know, kick on into the last sort of six games as it'll be after after Monday night um, or Monday afternoon, should I say, with us being on Sky um, in the lunchtime kickoff. So if I was to go for a score prediction, I think Derby will score. I think Vidra will probably score. You know, we have looked a bit shaky at the back over recent weeks. Um, hopefully, you know, it isn't a repeat of uh, Friday for us where nothing clicks up front. Uh, you know, Sean Maguire's back now, so hopefully he can get a goal or two. And if, if I was to put a bet on, I'd probably say we could just sneak it maybe 2-1 or, or something along those lines. And, you know, sort of hopefully get back into the playoff mix, uh, which seems strange to say, but been down in 10th place, you know, uh, starting to look a bit worried now, even though we are two points outside still. So, you know, anything other than a win, you know, won't be good enough for us at this stage of the season, which I'd imagine is exactly the same for you, Andy. So it's a shame both of our teams can't come away with the three points, but, um, you know, it's getting to the stage of the season now where you need to be selfish and, uh, sort of wish your own team sort of more than you would normally. So, yeah, definitely. If I was to go for a bet, I'd say 2-1 and, you know, we can um, sort of pick up where we left, left off on the, the decent run that we were on. Um, but with that, we're out of time. If you two want to let everyone know where they can find you and any projects that you're involved in, now would be a good time. Okay, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Russ underscore Goldman and also at the show for Cottage Talk on Twitter, simply Cottage Talk. And uh, all I do is talk about Fulham Football Club, so please feel free to follow Andy Buckley Taylor, you can find me on Twitter uh, with the handle at BuckTaylor64. I do a uh, blog for the Derbyshire local newspapers, and uh, you can find a link to it on my Twitter account and also on the Facebook page, BuckTaylor's Derby Blog. Yeah, and you can follow me on my personal Twitter, which is at underscore James Vickers, where I mainly tweet about Preston North End and a lot of Bundesliga and Prussia Dortmund as well. So if you do sort of are interested in any of those, definitely give me a follow. And more importantly, you can reach us on the show on our Twitter handle, which is at Championship Pod, where there's new episodes each week and lots of things to get involved in during the week. So definitely check us out on there and you'll be sure not to miss an episode. Um, but cheers for joining me today, guys. Um, you know, best of luck for the rest of the season. And hopefully we'll have you both on before the end of the season. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's uh, it's our three teams that are in the playoffs and we can, you know, sort of look forward to, you know, those two legs that had come up over the playoffs. But thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.